Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Give the Lord the greatest praise. Amen. How's everybody doing this Sunday morning? Awesome. You know, I love what Pastor Regal was talking about um, because I've often asked myself that same question, that if if I get lucky to live to the age of 80, can I really look back on my life and say, man, Lord, I did everything I could just to serve your people, to serve you, and just to enjoy time in your word. And that's, been, that's always been a huge fear of mine. You know that the Lord opens a door, and because out of fear, I don't walk into that door that he's calling me to walk into. So I, I want to encourage you guys today that if you live in a fear like that, don't let fear be the driving force. Uh, let faith be the driving force in your life. Amen? Does anybody remember the name of the series that I have been preaching on? Jesus in the midst, amen. Karen hit it on the head. I have been preaching off the book of James. Uh, Man, we've had such an amazing time in James. So much awesome information for growth and for edification through this book. It's really uh, blessed my life um, as I hope it has yours. And if you haven't caught those messages, please go back to the podcast. I encourage you to do so. We started in James chapter 1. Um, And today we are in James chapter 3. So uh, if you can, you could start opening your Bibles. We're going to get there in a second. I want to go through a couple quick points of what we've learned through James, uh, the first and second chapter. So something that stood out to me in chapter 1, you may remember it. It was verse 2 and it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Something so difficult to do sometimes in a trial. But James is saying it, count to joy, because in the middle of the trial, you're going to be tested, and your faith being tested is going to produce something. Do you guys remember what that word was that he used that's going to produce? Perseverance. James talks about it, you will persevere in the middle of your trial. You don't have to raise your hands in here, but are you going through a trial today? Are you in a valley today? Are you in a storm today? Good. Good. The wilderness is good. The valley is good. Why? Because James is saying it. In the middle of the storm and in the middle of the valley, you are going to persevere. He's not saying, man, I hope you make it. He's saying, no, you will persevere. So, amen. Thank you, James, for that. And that was just in chapter 1. We ended chapter 1 with verse 12. It said, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood that test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So it's so much great information. And then we could keep going. One of my favorite verses that James spoke on was the anger of man. If you remember what he said in verse 19, it said, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Remember that part today, slow to speak, because it's going to intertwine with chapter 3. So slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So let's be slow to anger, church. Uh, One of my favorite, 
this has to be my favorite verse uh, that we've studied so far. It's verse 22, and it says this, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving yourself. Man, and I hope that this portion of the study really tugged at your heart as it did mine. Um, that we take action, that we just don't listen to gain knowledge, uh, but that we act upon information in which we have learned. And I pray that today, I pray that we act upon what we're going to be learning here today. Amen? All right, so we've reached it, chapter 3. So on some of the headers of your Bible, it may say this in chapter 3 of, uh, of James. It says, taming the tongue. Taming the tongue. And it might be something that some of you struggle with. If I could be honest, I'm pretty sure that a lot of us here struggle with taming the tongue. And I'm not, I'm not sure if you've ever been on uh, the Palmetto, if you know what the Palmetto is. It's a highway. It's called 826. It runs northbound and southbound. But you might have found yourself struggling with keeping your tongue under control. <laughs> and that's the only time that is acceptable. No, I'm just kidding. It's not acceptable there. It's not acceptable. But you know, uh, I mean, like some of us could really lose our testimony driving on this highway. That's how serious it is. I especially need to be very careful when I'm driving on the Palmetto. I don't know if you guys know this, but on the back of my truck, it says freedom in Jesus. So I have to be especially careful to tame my tongue because what a bad testimony that would be. If I lower my window and I give somebody the Miami salute, I'm not going to do it. You can use your imagination on what that is. But imagine taming your tongue and hold it is so powerful and so crucial to the walk of a believer. And let me tell you this. If you have a nest sticker on the back of your car, you have two options. Option number one is to take it off before you start driving or please just behave yourself. All right, please behave yourself when you're representing the church. But it's okay. There, there's, there's forgiveness and thank the Lord that his mercies are new every day. So James starts really hitting the heart of the church here. And he begins to speak on the power of the tongue. And we're going to see the importance of words, uh, the, of what we speak, and how it could affect not only our lives, but the lives of others. And you know, I started writing down notes, and I wrote this down, that a true Christian is not only measured by how we walk, but also how we talk. It's important that how we live, but in our life, it's important what we say. Words hold weight. So the mark of a believer is this. We are patient, we are doers, and we watch our tongue. Not our physical tongue. I hope you catch this, but what we're actually speaking. Because there is power in words. And we can see the power of words when we go back to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis 1, I'll start at verse 3. This is how it starts. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of waters. And then in verse 9, it says, And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. Verse 11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. And verse 26, then God said... Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So you see, God wasn't using his hands to create. He was speaking things into existence. And what he was speaking was good. God began his creation by speaking. So there is power to be had in words. 
And we're going to see now how James breaks this down for us. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to James chapter 3. We're going to be starting at verse 1. And if you could give me an amen when you're there. Amen. We're going to be looking today at verses 1 through 12. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through them. So this word starts to stir in our hearts and stir in our minds. Amen. So he starts off by saying this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to brittle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they that obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They are also Large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is small, yet it boasts of of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both flesh, fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Amen. Let's come into prayer. Lord God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for, for the words of James, Lord. And I pray here today, Father God, that our minds are open, that our hearts are open just to receive what it is that James is saying, Lord. Lord God, I pray that everything of me is taken out. And it is just you, Holy Spirit, that speaks here today. So we thank you, Lord, and we give you the greatest praise and honor in here. Together, God's people say, yes and amen. So you can see just reading this text. This is a difficult text to talk about, no doubt. So when I read this, I'm like, oh, man, how am I going to present this in a way um, that's going to grow us? And it's what I prayed. I can't present this on my own. This is by the power of the Spirit. So that's what I pray, that the Spirit is the one that's speaking to you guys here today. Amen? And it's so great what he starts off with this chapter. It's just, it's like really a hit in the face. And look what he says in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers. My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So teachers are very important in the early church. Uh, And there was a problem going around. Many people wanted to be teachers. But they wanted to be teachers for the wrong reasons. They wanted respect. They wanted power. And they wanted to be recognized. It was a selfish ambition. And that's why James says that many of you should not teach. Everyone at that time had something to say. They were teaching with the wrong heart. And it's just like today, really, it seems, that anyone could start a YouTube channel and have taken the title of Bible Teacher. And listen, don't get me wrong. I watch a lot of teachers on on YouTube. There's some YouTube channels that are great, but there are some that are just not so great. They're very heretical. (laughs) 
And anyone can get online and we make a few posts on our social medias and, and we name ourselves Bible scholars. And it's very dangerous. Because look at the end of the verse. Look what he says. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And we see all of this throughout the Bible. God takes how you represent him very serious as well as how you misrepresent him very serious. And we see it. If you turn with me, or it may be, come up here. You don't have to turn there. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3, to three, it tells this. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing them upon themselves swift destruction. Look at verse 2. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And the last part is, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. False teachers have always been around. If you have spent any amount of time in Christianity, you will come and confront somebody or come and hear words of someone that just don't quite match up to what you believe. So they've always been around, and that's why James says that there will be a greater judgment for them. And there are people who are speaking on behalf of the Lord and leading others astray, and we see it all throughout our Christian walk, that there is power in words. Power in words. And Paul addresses this several times throughout the New Testament. And it's for us to learn from him, but not to go beyond what the Scriptures say. And people are teaching in today's era for selfish gain. And this is very serious in the eyes of God. Because teachers are going to stand before him and give an account for every word spoken that was not aligned with God's scriptures. So watch out. Watch out for teachers like this. They really are a dime a dozen. And you know, it is the duty of a teacher to watch over you. To protect the sheep and to check this out. Check this out. To do it with joy. Okay, that's one of the main things that a teacher does. We want to do this with joy. A lot of you know who Pastor Javi is. He's the bishop of our fellowship. He said this not too long ago. He says, to go into ministry, you are either crazy or you are called. So we do this work with joy because we have recognized the calling. Many teachers are crazy, but not many teachers are called. Amen? Let's go to verse 2. Let's see how James begins to speak on the power of the tongue. I want you to brace yourself here, okay? He's going to be speaking on things that are very powerful. So not, this is not my goal. This is not what I want, man. I pray that the Spirit really convicts you here today. Because it's convicted me when I start reading the entire book of James. I have just been, like my life has been tur turned upside down with the words that James has spoken. So that's what I pray for you guys here today. Amen? Okay. Our deeds, our works as Christians, right, is a testament to our faith, but also our words, they give a testimony to the one that we follow. I want you to remember that. So we're going to learn this. Verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to brittle his whole body. So he's saying it already. James is talking about it. We're all going to say unwise things at times. We're all going to stumble. No one is perfect. The only one perfect was Jesus, and he never said any words that were wrong. Have you ever said something 
to someone and later told yourself, I cannot believe that I just said that. That happens to me a lot. That happens to me a lot. And we don't realize that our words have power to direct people, either for good or for evil. And this is a problem with words because they can't be taken back. They can't be unsaid. They can't be undone. You can be forgiven for what you have said. But if you have said something that has left an impact, either for good or for bad, it will never be forgotten. People will never forget those words. They could forgive you for what you told them. But I promise you, in the back of their mind, they are going to identify what you told them with who you are. So words cannot be undone. There's just so many things that people have said that will follow them a lifetime, both wise and unwise. So I encourage you guys, choose your words wisely. Let's go to verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And James is going to give us a little bit of illustration here. I'm not sure if any of you have ridden a horse and know what the bit is. So it's a small piece that goes inside the horse's mouth. And this small piece controls the movement of the horse. A thoroughbred. It's a breed of horses. And I had to do a little bit of research on this because I don't know a lot about horses. But they could weigh anywhere from 900 to 1,400 pounds. That is a large animal to control with such a small bit. Have you ever ridden one? I hate riding horses. I hate it. I've ridden horses. I think I've ridden them twice. And number one, I'm allergic to horses because they let go of a hair and I get whatever. I don't like riding horses. Then the day after I finish riding a horse, I am the sorest person ever. I feel like I just competed in an Ironman. And I'm like, oh my goodness, how do you find joy in this? It's so, man, I just don't like it. I don't like riding horses. Okay, but anyway, let's get back to this. And this bit that goes in the horse's mouth, it weighs two pounds. Compared to the horse that could weigh anywhere from 900 to 1,400 pounds, it's something so small. A small instrument that can control such a massive animal. It guides their whole body. Why does it guide their whole body? The horse is obedient to it. That small bit in their mouth guides them. They don't fight it, but they submit to it. They submit to the bit. A little bit more illustration here in verse number 4. Look at ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs, or you could say captain directs. A cruise ship. Who has been on a cruise ship? I've been on a cruise ship. I'm sure some of you guys have been on a cruise ship. A cruise ship roughly weighs 220,000 tons. An average size ship is a thousand feet long. The rudder or the propeller is about 20 feet. And it controls such a massive ship. Something so small has such an impact on the direction and control of something so large. The tongue, something so small, has control and can impact things of great magnitude in our life. If you go back to verse 2, you see this, for we all stumble in many ways, and every, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to brittle his whole body. So we can look at it this way, compared to the tongue. A massive ship, something so small that directs the cruise ship, such a small bit inside the mouth of an animal. Look at it this way, in relations to the tongue. If you can't control your mouth, 
then you most likely have very little discipline in anything else. I can say that again if somebody wants to write it down. If you, if you can't control your mouth, then you most likely have very little discipline in anything else. And I would think that if we could control our mouth and master what we speak, then that will build discipline in us to control other areas of our life. Discipline really begins to develop in the small things. I'm not sure if you guys have ever experienced this. I have, and you guys, some of you may laugh at this, but I started becoming disciplined in the small, and that started with me making my bed every morning. And some of you guys, oh, but what do you mean make your bed? That's something that I do all the time. Okay, I have a struggle with making my bed. Because I really see no point in making the bed if I'm just going to go back to sleep in it later and nobody comes to my house. If guests are coming over, okay, I might make, I might make it. But if not, I go, my man, just leave the bed. Who cares, man? I want to get out there. Okay, so I started making my bed every morning. And that led to me being disciplined in other areas. And this is me just speaking to my heart here. This is, I'm speaking to myself. I started managing my screen time on my phone. I strive to make it a point to limit how much time I spend on my device. And that leads to other things that I'm disciplined. Now i got to make sure every night before I go to bed, my kitchen is spotless. And these could be things that you guys do already. You know what I mean? But I'm learning to be disciplined in the small. Another thing I get disciplined is, is every now and then, I go through a declutter phase. And I start, man, just cleaning my entire closet out. And by the time I know it, I have like two shirts, one pair of pants. I still have like 2,500 underwears. But I just go through a crazy declutter. I go through a crazy declutter. So it's small things. You see, if we're disciplined in the small, we're going to be able to be disciplined in greater things later on. And it begins with your tongue. It starts with that. Let's go to verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Wow. There's some deep truths here that James is speaking on. Such a small piece of us that has so much power. An entire forest can be burned down by the strike of one match. And yet your tongue, just by speaking words, has the power to speak life or death. I don't know if you've ever realized that. If you don't think I'm telling the truth, look at Proverbs 18 verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. So you're either loving to speak life or you are loving to speak death. And if we're not careful, what we say can bring death to many areas of our life. I don't know if some of you guys have experienced that. Do you know that words you speak can destroy your marriage? You know words you speak can tear down friendships and relationships. Words you speak can crush people's spirits. A word that you speak to someone can affect their whole day. Words can change outcomes and decisions. Words have effects on emotions. Remember that saying, sticks and stones? They may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah, that's a lie. That's a lie. The results are in it. That's a lie. 
Man, words that are spoken to you can trigger emotional responses. There are very few people that I have ever met in my life that are not affected by words in some way, shape, or form. So you see how powerful words can be? They're powerful in what you speak. So powerful that James says that our tongue is a fire. Our tongue is a fire. And it's set on fire by hell. What does that mean? It means that at times our tongues participate in the works of darkness. That's what that means. We start with gossip. And gossip turns into slander. And then we begin to tear a brother or a sister down. And by the time we know it, we're doing the work of the enemy by what we speak. Ephesians 4.29 says this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Why not? Because it's not the way that a saint conducts himself. It's not the way that Jesus conducted himself. We are to live, write this word down, we are to live above reproach. Not only with our lifestyle, but by what we say. Your tongue has power. Look at verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and it has been tamed by mankind. And look at verse 8. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's restless evil, full of deadly poison. Every animal can be tamed. Lions can be tamed. Killer whales can be tamed. The most ferocious animals in this world can be controlled. But no human can tame the tongue. That's how evil our words can be sometimes. We really don't need to know what the devil sounds like. We don't need to know, we don't need to hear his voice. We just need to hear what we are speaking to our neighbor. That's crazy. That is crazy. James says it. It's restless evil, full of deadly poison. And I love verse 8. But no human being can tame the tongue. Impossible with man to tame the tongue, but possible with God to tame your tongue. We're going to go deeper into this in a second. So I want to give you an example of the power of words here. Okay? Adolf Hitler. Everybody here knows who Adolf Hitler is. He was in a position of power because of the words that he spoke. His words penetrated the hearts of people. And he used his words for the kingdom of darkness. Check this out. This was amazing when I read this. He gave over 5,000 persuasive speeches. He was able to captivate people with his words. He learned how to become such a charismatic speaker, and people, for whatever reason, became enamored with him. The power of his word allowed him to kill over 16 million people. Don't tell me that words don't have influence. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. Words hold weight. And it comes back to what Jesus says in Luke 6.45. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth is going to speak. So what, are, what we are speaking is a reflection to the condition of our heart. I heard this once, and you may want to write this down. The fruit of our lips finds its source in the root of our soul. What is in your heart, in here, is what is going to come out of here. You know, I do this a lot. 
I sit back and I like to listen to people just talk. Especially if it's somebody that I just met. I like to hear them talk and I'll let them go on for five, ten minutes. And I may have never met that person, but in five minutes, I could know the condition of that person's heart just by what they're speaking. What their words reflect is what's going to be the condition that they have. Listen to people when they speak. You're going to see where they're at spiritually by with whatever is coming out of their mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, you are going to talk. So what do your words reflect, church? I want to challenge you with that and examine yourself in that. The gossip, the slander, the criticism, the tearing down, it stems from a deeper place. What is going on in your heart? Have you let Jesus heal these parts of you? Have you surrendered these parts to him? You know, our speech is just a mirror of what's going on inside. It's a glimpse of a hidden secret that we don't want people to know. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. It's going to come out. It's going to come out. And look where the tongue takes you. Look at verse 9. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same tongue comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. We could stand here with our arms lifted up, praying and praising you, God. And singing songs to the Lord. And we respond to the altar calls. And we even come alongside a brother and a sister. And we pray over them. But James says that with that same mouth, we curse others that are made in God's image. How do we go from one to another so quickly? And I love this scripture because it confronts the ugly in me. I'm preaching this to myself. The way that we talk about people reflects what we really believe about our God. You know that our speech is actually a form of worship. It's, it's inconsistent to say that I love you, Lord, but then curse our neighbor. And how many times haven't we been there? We, we may have even done it today. We came in for worship, our hands lifted up, singing to the Lord. Then the service ends. Man, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. And then you get in your car. Somebody cuts you off and we're not even on the palmetto yet. With the same tongue, I love you, I love you. Look what this guy did to me. I can't believe it. He cut me up. Did you see what that person in church said? Did you see Omar and what he was wearing? Adrian told me today when I came in, he goes, man, it looks like you're going to war with these colors. I go, I don't know, bro. I just threw this on. I feel, you know, what Vanessa was saying, it's kind of fall. I want the cold weather to be here. <laughs> yeah, you're right, bro. I am going to war. All of us here are going to war. I just didn't realize that I dressed for war today, but we are going to war. Come on, man. You know, you guys know what I'm going to Give the Lord the greatest praise. That's good. Yeah. I'm probably not going to duplicate this outfit again, just to let you know. You know, it's funny. My wife told me, she says, I told you, you should wear it with black jeans. It looks like you're going to like, military fatigues. Whatever, man, I'm in God's army. How about that? We're in the army of the Lord. He's rising up soldiers in here. Are you guys soldiers? Are you guys part of the army of God? All right, let me stop. I could go on a whole other preaching with that. That's a whole other preaching. You know, when I had social media, I don't have social media. I haven't had it in a long time. I had, my social media account was called Soldier in God's Army. That was like the name of that. That was cool. All right, I encourage you. Be a soldier in the Lord. If you want to enlist, enlistment starts at the cross of Christ. 
Open registration for all sinners. And good thing we all qualify. We're all going to make it. We're all going to make it there. Verse 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? He's asking here rhetorical questions because we know that the answer is no. Uh, verse 12. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So he's talking about the inconsistency. We can't do both. A spring will not have both salt and fresh water. A fig tree is not going to have olives on it. You are identifying with one or the other. You are either a salt pond or a fresh pond, a fig tree or an olive tree. You are either a speaker of light or you're a speaker of darkness. You either speak to encourage or you speak to tear down. You you are either speaking life or you are speaking death. It's one or the other. What are you speaking? You have the Spirit of God in you. So I pray that what you are speaking, church, is life. Because Jesus says that he came to give life and life abundantly. So therefore, if you have the Holy Spirit, I please encourage you to speak life. Are we speaking life? Speak life. I encourage you. To examine your hearts in this area. If your heart is the source of your speech, then we need a new heart. And only God can do that. Only God can do that. When we go back to John chapter 3, you guys remember the story? Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. What does that mean? Born again means that you have a new nature, that the old man is dying and a new creature is rising. And in this new identity, there are things that need to be put away. Gossip, slander, tearing down, and speaking things that are not productive. That is all part of the old you. That's not you now. That's the old you. We go back to Ephesians 4.29. And this is from the NIV version. And it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And that it may benefit those who listen. Are your words benefiting people? Are they benefiting people? You know, there was a point where someone's words benefited you. That's why you're sitting here today. Either a word was spoken to you or you read a word in Scripture. A word that pointed you to the cross of Jesus. But one way or another, you're here today because of a word that penetrated your heart. Words have power. We've seen and we've talked about how poisonous words could be. And James hits, hits it right in the heart with this. But now I want to tell you this. There is a flip side to this because the same tongue that can be used for evil can also be used for good. Worship team, you can start coming up. What words, what can your words be used for? Let's start on how it can be used for God. Use your tongue to praise God. We can sing with it. We give honor to the Lord with it. We give worship to Him with it. Use your tongue to praise Him. Use your tongue for prayer. We speak and communicate with the Lord with our tongue. A relationship works when there is communication. If you are not speaking to Him through prayer, then there is something going on in that relationship. Use your tongue to talk to Him. This is one of my favorites because you, you guys know that I love evangelism. Use your tongue to proclaim the gospel. To proclaim the gospel. God has given us this ability to share the good news. So if you are a born-again Christian and have a tongue, you are qualified to share the gospel. 
Now, how can you use your tongue to serve others? It could be something so small as a compliment. It could be words through a text to encourage someone. It could be a conversation to uplift someone throughout the week. You have power to uplift, the power to encourage, the power to love, and the power to speak life. The great Reverend Billy Graham, right here in our own backyard. Imagine that this man would pack arenas with over 100,000 people. He would have nationwide crusades. He's preached over 185 different countries. And in total, he's preached to over 215 million people. All because of the power of the things that he spoke. He brought the truth of the gospel, power in that man's words. He had words that spoke life. And you're going to have situations come up where you're going to have to choose what you speak at that exact moment. A lot of guys know that I used to be a, a full-time police officer. I, I was a full-time cop for 10 years. I'm a, part, I'm a reserve officer now. I do a couple hours a month. But let me tell you, man, my tenure throughout a full-time police officer, I ran into so many situations. And I mostly met people when they were at their lowest, when they were experiencing a crisis, people who needed help. And I cannot tell you about the power of words when I would arrive on a scene that was chaotic. I either added to the chaos or I calmed the chaos by what I spoke. And many times I had to evaluate on what my words were going to be. How I was going to bring light to a dark situation. And I believe that we are faced with things like this all the time. Are things that you are going to speak, are they going to add to the chaos or are they going to calm the chaos? Your words have power. There's three things that I want you to take away from this today that maybe you could put into practice. Number one, assess before you speak. Are the words that are about to come out of your mouth going to bring forth life or death? Are the words going to build up or tear down? Are those words for your gain or are they for serving others? Is what you speak going to be profitable? And ask yourself these three things prior to speaking. Is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? Assess before you speak. Number two, choose your words wisely. Use your speech to influence others, to comfort, to encourage. How amazing, how amazing is it to say that my words can brighten somebody's day? You can comfort, you can strengthen, you can educate, you can teach, you can minister by choosing the right words to do so. And the last thing, I encourage you in this, continue to walk in the Spirit. If you continue to choose to walk in the Spirit, the Bible says that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Therefore, by not gratifying the desires of the flesh, slander, gossip, and evil words will not be a part of you. Continue to pray, continue to fast, continue in His Word so that you can take up the whole armor of God to protect your mind, protect your heart, so that you may be able to choose your words wisely. So when you do speak, you speak what is reflective in your heart and that it may be love, kindness, gentleness, patience. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. You guys can stand with me today.
I don't know if this is an area where you struggle with. I don't know if you need prayer in this. The altar is open or you could just, right where you're at, you could just lift your hand. Because I could tell you this was a part of my life that I would struggle with. I will be quick to the trigger sometimes, not analyzing what I'm saying, not not seeing, man, what am I going to say? Is it going to be profitable to the person that's going to receive it? How true it is that sticks and stones, they may break my bones, but man, that is such a lie. Wow, how powerful words can be, church. You guys know that you hold words that can be life-changing to somebody. I'm talking about the words of the gospel. The gospel is a message that is life-altering and life-changing. And you as believers hold those words. Why? Because you are ambassadors of Christ. If you are an ambassador, that means that you are to go out and proclaim the good news. How do you proclaim the good news? By your words. By your words. I don't want to group this large. There's probably people in here that don't know too much about Christianity. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you're trying to see what is Jesus about? What is this Christian life about? And I know you, you picked an amazing day to come because choosing your words is part of the Christian walk. Choosing your words is part of the Christian life. It's by the power of the gospel, man. It's part of the gospel. And the gospel is this, man, that we are just unworthy. And we've sinned against God. We've broken every single commandment. And because we've, we've been a rebel against him, we've broken his law. We're made criminals. The Bible says that we are enemies. We're enemies of God. That's what the Bible says. And because we are enemies and criminals against him, there is a judgment that we will face. And that is to be separated from God forever if we die in this state. But there is good news, church. Romans chapter 5 says this. That although we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I get goosebumps every single time I say that scripture. Because although in my mess, in my disobedience, God, Jesus still came. He says, I'm taking the cross for you. And the amazing thing is this, is that Jesus didn't stay dead on a cross. Three days later, he was resurrected, conquering death and conquering sin. And now the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So I'm here to tell you this today, church, to put your faith and trust in Christ Repent of your sins. What is repentance? Turning away from the old lifestyle. Now walking into the newness that Jesus gives. And the door is open to all. The door is open to everybody. Can we just come into prayer here today? If you're somebody that needs prayer, I would love to pray with you. You can come up to the front or you can lift your hand right where you're at. Lord God, I just, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in here today, Father God. Lord, that as your word does, that it pierces the hearts of your people. Lord God, that we recognize, Lord, that we struggle with things. Lord God, that we are not perfect, but we have the perfect Christ living within us. And every single day is a process of sanctification. We are learning. We are being edified by our brothers and sisters, by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, by your word. 
So we thank you, Lord, that we are at a place where our heart is able to receive these things. And in the middle of our struggle, Lord God, maybe some of us, some of us are not struggling with this particular, maybe we have our tongue tamed. But there's other areas in our life that we may be struggling with. So Lord, I come before you today and I lift up whatever struggle it is that my brother or my sister may be enduring. Whatever storm that they are in, whatever valley that they are walking in. I just pray, Father God, that mountains are moved and that valleys are lifted up. Offer the glory of your kingdom. Also that you may shine just a bit more brighter in our lives, Lord God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord God. We just give you the greatest praise and all of the honor and all of the glory here today. And together we could say yes and amen.